0: Hello, we'd like to welcome you to this episode. My name is Michael Greenwood, and with me here is... Trent Matthew. And we are just a couple ordinary guys. However, we are attracted to minors. It's not something that we've wanted, or we didn't choose it, but we discovered we have this challenge. And having gone through difficult moments and dark times, we decided to reach out and try to encourage others who are also experiencing this challenge. I want to be really clear that we do not in any way support sexual contact between adults and children. We believe that it's inherently wrong and harmful and not what God would want for our sexuality. Now in this episode, we're going to talk about depression. This is something that Trent has been working on for some time it's dear to his heart overcoming depression because it's something that he himself has struggled with. Now certainly being attracted to minors can make depression all the more challenging and that's not surprising. There is a lot of judgment and condemnation in society even if a person is never offended just simply being attracted to children is, is, is like leprosy it drives us away from people into isolation. It increases all the risk factors associated with depression. And a person can find themselves in the cold dead of night where they don't know where to go. And you can ask, why me? How am I supposed to find a way out? And so, Trent, you're going to tell us a little bit about your story and how you've grappled with depression and Found a way out, and then also what God has said in the Bible and that encouragement that has helped you find that way out.
1: Yeah, sure. So for me, like it's sort of difficult to pinpoint an exact time when depression first started to become a problem, but it's quite clear now, I guess, as I look back, that it really started to get a whole lot worse when my parents divorced. This is a time when I was really struggling, I was struggling with what would be considered um, porn. Um, I was struggling financially to keep up with the car repairs and making rent. And I was struggling to reorient myself in a new family situation and
0: and also struggling to fit in at my new church. It sounds like there were some of the normal challenges of being a teenager, the divorce in your family, and, and on top of it, struggling with being attracted to minors.
1: But yeah, I mean, as, as time went on, though, I started to get deeper and deeper into depression, it was like a, this thick fog that was rolling in and it just wouldn't stop. It eventually got to this point where I just couldn't go on anymore. Every day I was just crying. I'd, you know, I'd drive to the uni campus and just sit in my car and just cry because my life was so bad. Um, and that was just my life. I was just waiting for things to get better and, and they just kept on getting worse and I didn't know what to do. One night after church, I just I just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, that was when I was going to end my life, of, as as I've already spoken about in the previous episode where I share my story. But thankfully, God intervened and brought me a deep sense of peace. And I was able to drive home alive. So,
0: yeah. How do you move forward after something like that?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, like, I just kept on going. You know, you just sort of go through the routines of just, OK, I'm just going to get out of bed. I'm just going to go and get some breakfast and I don't know what I'm going to do today. Maybe I'll go for a walk. Maybe I'll phone a friend and things did start to pick up slowly. And I got to this point where I was able to just continue. I completed my teaching degree and I started teaching at the local high school. But um, then six months later, this was when I was sort of awakened to, to the fact that I was underage attracted. Um, And when that happened, it, just blew everything apart. Uh, my whole world just felt a bit like, and my depression came back as just as strongly as before. Like I, I, because I was teaching, I couldn't do that anymore. So I, so I dropped that basically overnight. Like I just stopped showing up to work, and the school phoned me and they were like, "How come you're not coming to work?" And I was like, "Well, uh, I'm not feeling too well," <laughs> and in a sense, it was true. Like I was, I was feeling crap about absolutely everything.
0: Wow, that seems to be. A theme that pops up a lot when people share their stories it's almost like being attracted to minors takes a back shelf until some moment when maybe you think everything's okay and then the reality comes crashing down
1: it's It's a real thing because you really want to hide it in this place of denial where it's like oh no that's not me that's like only dirty old people that that I don't like and who are gross, and yeah I'm you know like I'm just a normal guy then when you absolutely paint it into a corner and when you're faced with this reality it can be incredibly shocking it's because like i was going through this identity crisis i didn't even know who i was but yeah you're right in that so i was so i'm trying to pick myself up get some kind of backup job but i'm finding it difficult because of uh, fact is is that i hadn't really developed any other skills or experiences other than teaching the most frustrating i found was the fact that i was under these legal restrictions Like now, just to make sure everyone's completely on board with this. So I I hadn't done physical, hadn't offended anything like that, but I had actually tried to get help. And then I kind of got slammed with the system. So it's like, oh, well, we think you're a bad person. So therefore you can't do this, 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 this. I was under these restrictions that cut out a lot of jobs and a lot of university courses, even things that weren't even related to working with kids. I remember I applied for this job working in an office accounts admin or something like that and this wasn't working in a school office this is just working in an office building in the middle of the city and this job required you to clear the working with children track i was just so confounded it's like so i actually asked them you know why and the lady on the other end of the line said oh it's because um sometimes parents bring their kids onto the premises and i was just like (sighs) I felt like there was nowhere in society I could go at all. And I found this incredibly frustrating. felt like I was painted into a corner with nowhere to go. And um, yeah, I started to entertain the idea of just ending my life again. Um, Only this time I wasn't so committed since God had prevented me last time. And maybe I thought this time I wouldn't be so lucky.
0: Wow. And just to repeat, you had... Asked for help, you hadn't actually offended. But when every other door is shut, it's almost like what suicide seems like a way out.
1: Yeah, well, if you think about it in this terms, it feels like you've been shut out of the town and the city gates have been closed, and you're there facing this wilderness alone and you can't get back. Um, that's kind of how it felt like, but you know, as things went on, things started to get easier though just little bit by little bit, very, very slowly, I was starting to piece together the puzzle, figure out who I was. And as I continued in my walk with God, i get these new kind of insights whenever I'd read something from his word. And at the same time, God led me to some good books and sermons. And I would listen to um Cy Rogers on my iPod and hearing his talks just over and over and over again on sexuality and healthy relating and how families are supposed to work and the way in which god interacts with broken people and i would just go walking for like several hours just listening to several talks and just understanding these things that i didn't understand before now i mean this it's not like it was all nice and fluffy you know sometimes i'd feel deeply convicted and and i'd need to pray and ask god for forgiveness and usually through tears and through gritted teeth and all that so I mean, I'll say straight up, like this was a very long process where I was just learning to live completely on the grace of God.
0: Uh, It's so encouraging that God, he doesn't shut us out. I'm sure that's been the hope of many weary pilgrims in life. When no one else is there, like he's still there. Well, if somebody wants to hear more of your story, like you said, it's an earlier podcast. So where are you now today? Like, where did that all bring you? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well it brought, brought me to here <laughs> no today things are a lot better than they used to be i mean you kind of go around a circle and every time you go around feeling hopeful then crashing and feeling sad every time the circle gets bigger and so it's like occasionally i'll have one of these days what what i call slow motion days just because when you're feeling depressed you tend to move like in slow motion <laughs> but one thing I realize is that this state of mind is only temporary, and that God always brings me through to the other side. Like, he's He's so faithful in this way. So I know that no matter what happens with my mind, that I can trust him because he's good.
0: That's such a key point to remember. Like, it's just a moment, a dark day, a slow motion day, as you put it. But God always is faithful to bring you through. And you you had to learn that by going through the fire, that he would bring you through each day. Is there anything else that you found to be helpful? Probably one of the most important
1: things I've learned is that sometimes it's okay to feel depressed. It really is the natural response to the meaningless of existence, the corruption of humanity, the inevitability of our death. It's completely logical, if you think about it like that, to feel depressed. I mean, we, we are living in a fallen humanity
0: not to mention being attracted to minors.
1: <laughs> well, well, yeah, and that's like part of it. It can be the response to when you see your brokenness and you go, it's like, yeah. It's a funny kind of problem in the sense that compared to a lot of other cultures, we tend to cast shame on people who are going through depression. When I was in high school, it was like, oh yeah, you're depressed. You're super depressed. Ha ha, cheer up emo kid. And it's even worse than this kind of thinking makes its way into God's church. And this can take on various flavors. Like a lot of times church pastors don't even pretend that it exists. And it's like, no, you're always happy because it's, everything's always great. And it's like, yeah, 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 no. But when they do decide to talk about depression, I find that sometimes they'll give some nice words about how difficult it is for people who struggle and so on and so on. And then they'll just backhand you with this whole, oh, but you should be rejoicing in the Lord always. And then they just close the sermon or they'll go so far as to say that it's a sin and that Christians shouldn't get depressed. You can just imagine how well this goes down. I mean, it's not helpful.
0: So what is the more balanced perspective then? What have you learned coming through it as far as how a Christian should stand? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Thanks for calling me balanced. I like that. (laughs) So um,
1: when it comes to this issue of depression, I think the best thing we can do is look at what the whole Bible says So for starters, I love the book of Lamentations. The whole book of Lamentations is devoted to mourning the destruction of Jerusalem. It's like five whole chapters of this depressed emotion, like that entire book of the Bible. But that's not all. Like The Bible is full of many good and godly people who have experienced depression at least once in their lifetime. Job is a great example. He says, may the day of my birth perish, and the night it was said a son is born. Why is light given to those in misery, and life to the bitter of soul, to those who long for death that does not come, who search for it more than hidden treasure, who are filled with gladness and rejoice when they reach the grave?
0: While God's account of people's experience in the Bible and very familiar with depression, it's not some strange thing that we should just try to skirt by, but rather a location on the journey we gain something from it, right?
1: Yeah, God isn't afraid of this kind of stuff. And people in the Bible have gone through this and it's okay to feel low. Like there's heaps of other people as well. Like it's not just Job. I mean, look at King David, the man after God's heart, the man of great faith, even from a young age, who was able to slay the giant and everything and be the hero. But later on, we read in Psalm 31, Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. And furthermore, he writes in Psalm 38, I'm feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, O Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me even the light has gone from my eyes.
0: Wow. That sounds pretty low.
1: Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, like how many people know what this is like to have the light fade from your eyes even, and to just go about like this in anguish of heart, having people desert you. Um, It's pretty much the same situation that many of us who struggle with underage attraction go through. So I always find it incredibly distressing and unhelpful when preachers tell their churches that people who know God just shouldn't get depressed. And, you know, that's not true. It goes completely against what so much of Scripture tells us. And even our Lord Jesus in Isaiah 53, uh, verse 3, is described as a man of sorrows, with the shortest verse in Scripture being John 11:35, 35. Jesus wept. And who can forget Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he says in Mark 14, 32, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death.
0: So how should a person respond to depression?
1: Yeah, well, you asked the obvious question. And this is difficult, especially in our situation. There's no simple solution when it comes to this underage attraction stuff. So We need something deeper. We need some like real joy. We need to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that there is something that we can rest in, something to keep us going. We need that beam of sunlight that pierces through the depths and makes visible the ocean floor. But, you know, God shows us the way. He's so good to us. And we're going to have a look at a passage now and turn up to 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 7. He says this. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And I just love this passage. You will notice that it holds two themes in tension. So on the one hand, we greatly rejoice because of all the things that God has done. And just have a look at all this stuff that he's given us out of his mercy, out of the good nature of his character. He's given us this new birth, this fresh start, this new beginning into a living hope Not a dead hope, a living hope. Why is it living? It's living because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead through the resurrection of Christ from the dead into an inheritance, something that we gain from this that can never perish, spoil, and fade. So we look at all of this stuff that God has given us. However, on the other hand, we still suffer grief in all kinds of trials. We don't just have one or the other, we have both we have joy and grief. And at first, I actually thought this was a bit confusing because I'm like, how can you have both? And then I realized that Paul is talking about our current situation in which we find ourselves, And this is where our joy is located. It's actually in the reality of the resurrection and what this means for us now. It's grounded in the promises of God. And in this, we greatly rejoice. So it's important to remember that joy and Positive emotion isn't detached and just sort of floating around like this vague concept that you need to find. And as soon as you grasp it, it just slips through your fingers because it's like nailing jello to a wall. You know, It's, it's not like this at all.
0: Wow, that's such a good bit of wisdom there. Like our joy is not an emotional state. It's simply remembering when we're in the darkness and dankness of the challenge that we have the promises and goodness of God and he is with us. That's our, that's our joy. So that makes sense, how we can have joy yet depression at the same moment when in the middle of our challenge and depression, we remember who God is, and that leads us forward.
1: I kind of think about it like this. So we've got joy in something, but at the same time, we've also got grief in something. And he says we have grief in all kinds of trials. So it's like we've got these two containers And in one container, we've got joy because of all this stuff. And in the grief container, we've got depression because of the all kinds of trials that we face. But what you'll notice is that the container of joy is much wider and longer and deeper, much bigger than the little container of grief that we have. It's, you know, all kinds of trials, like a bad day or a bad experience or a bad circumstance, like the one that we find ourselves in. The grief of singleness and having to, having to keep a tightly held secret, the grief of wishing to be like everyone else. Now, all of these things hurt us deeply and let's face it, like it's no joke to go through this, but the roots of joy run deeper than the roots of despair. So much bigger and so much more eternal and more grandiose. When you're reading about how how the disciples are all upset and how they're all like, oh no, he's dead. Now, now what do we do? And they're hiding. And then you get to the point where the angel says, he is not here. Jesus is risen from the dead. It's a fact. It can give us that deep sense of joy that we need. And that's why people write lyrics like, vain the stone, the watch, the seal. Christ has burst the gates of hell. Death in vain forbids him rise. Christ has opened paradise. Like this is a real hallelujah. Jesus is risen. He's shielding us with his power and heaven is waiting for us. That's why in this we greatly rejoice. It's so important not to forget that this life, the grief in all kinds of trials is only temporary. And there is a deeper joy that we can have from the eternal reality of the resurrection of the dead through Jesus Christ, our Lord.
0: I love that statement that the roots of joy go deeper than that of despair. The roots go down to that tomb For Jesus rose from the dead, and our joy ascends to heaven. There's a verse in Psalms that says, Darkness may last for the night, but joy comes with the morning light. If you're listening to this, and you're under the throes of depression, and being attracted to minors makes it all the worse, please remember that it's just a moment, it's just a day that God is faithful. There'll be new days and new mornings, days where the challenge itself and your victory over it gives you cause for joy. Now, if you feel like you need some help, you want to talk with Trent and I, we're available by our email address, support at christianpedophile.com. We are praying for you and know that you're not alone in this. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.